God, we uh, come in this place, uh, like we do so many times, we hear songs and lyrics to songs, and they bring up different stuff in us, and um, you know, we just heard that you're a, this awesome king, mighty king forever, and you never change, and we hear that you love us, and that you want good things for us, and you pursue us, and, and, we, and we believe that's true, and then a song like that comes up where it just, uh, do we have a choice in, in any parts of our life changing, or is it just more of the past that's handed to us, and so we come in here to hear from your son, Jesus, who who, who says things like, with me in your life, all things actually are possible. Things that on your own aren't possible, but, but we, we want something different. We want something better. Not, we're not even saying that our life is bad. We just want, if, if there's more out there that we can take hold of and have even a better, more abundant life for ourselves and for those around us and a life with you, then, then teach us about your son, Jesus. That's our only, our only request. Just teach us about your son, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, uh, welcome to Flatirons. H- Happy Mother's Day uh, to everybody. If, if you're a mom, thank you. And, uh, uh, you know, Mother's Day, uh, it's become a weird thing. Like when I grew up, my dad was a pastor and we, we always had Mother's Day Sunday and stuff like that. And, you know, like in my church growing up, it was like, all right, let's have the oldest mom stand up. And she was like 150 and I had like 47 kids. And she's like, ah, here I am. And she tried. And uh, then, then we got to the youngest mom and then it got awkward because she was like t- 13 and... Uh, and she had like three, and it's like, oh, and so we stopped doing that. And, uh, but you know, Mo- Mother's Day brings up different, <laughs> some of you just going, yeah, that's me. All right. uh, uh, Mother's, Day, Mother's Day brings up different emotions for different people. For some of us, it's a really good thing. Like you have lunch plans and all this kind of stuff. You sent flowers, you got flowers, all that kind of stuff. And, and it's good because whatever you hope motherhood would be or expected to be, it, it met that or was better. And so Mother's Day is a good memory for you. For some of us, not so much. Uh, Mother's Day brings up a lot of other stuff for us. Um, either like that wasn't a good experience or maybe we want to be a mom and we can't. What, whatever that is, it brings up a lot of emotions. Uh, and what we've been looking at in here over the last month or so is that the word Jesus does similar things. Like a lot of us, when we hear the word Jesus, we've had a good experience with Jesus and walking with Jesus and, you know, all, that whole thing. And so when we hear Jesus, we're like, yay, Jesus, we love Jesus. And so it's all a good thing when we hear the word Jesus. Some of us, not so much. Some of us, we've had a version of Jesus shoved down our throats or whatever that is. And so when we hear Jesus, we kind of duck because we don't know what's coming. And a lot of us have approached Jesus, as, again, if you haven't been here the last month, this is where we've been. It's kind of, kind of like a buffet bar or a build your own bar. And we get this version of Jesus that we think ought to work for us and satisfy us and we kind of put him in the car with us and, and ride through life and we think that's going to be good and then our life hits a bump or crashes into a wall, whatever that is, and we, we want Jesus to take care of us and he can't because he's not real. He's just something that we've come up with. And so over the last month, what, we, what we've been trying to do is kind of push all the religious weird stuff aside and all the things that church has made Jesus to be and all the things that, you know, shoved down your throat and said, just believe it, that's Jesus. And we did for a while. And, and so what we've been trying to do is just go back to Jesus. Go back to the Bible and go, so what did Jesus say? What did he teach? What was he like? How did he treat people? In a situation like this, what would he do? When, when people like this got thrown at his feet, how did he respond to them? And how would he respond to us? So we've been trying to go back to real Jesus, seeing if, if, if we really could, could kind of discover real Jesus, maybe we would believe that that's how he really is. And if we believe him like that, then maybe we'd trust him more. And if we trusted him more, maybe we'd follow him more in our lives and parts of our life would finally start changing. And so that leads us to this next series. Uh, it's gonna kind of play off of that. And, and here, here's what we're gonna be looking at over the next month in here, all right? It goes like this. What, what could our life begin to look like if we were rooted in real Jesus? What could our life look like if we were rooted in real Jesus? And I use the word rooted there very intentionally. It's a metaphor that everybody understands what I'm talking about, all right? Life doesn't have roots, literally, all right? But when I say when my life is rooted in Jesus, Everybody, everybody gets it because it's a metaphor or it's a comparison. And the reason I do that is because 
this is how Jesus taught more than any other way. See, see I, I don't know if you know a lot about Jesus. I don't, some of us you know, believe he's the Savior of the world and the Son of God. But even if you don't believe that, I, I'm just being honest with you. If you read his stuff, he's the best teacher ever. Like he could teach like nobody else. I mean, he had this ability to connect dots between uh, unfamiliar things and familiar things and connect them and people finally understood. And, and the number one way he did that was through comparisons or metaphors or the, the, the word the Bible uses for the way Jesus taught was this word called parables. Parables. And so, so this whole tree of life thing is gonna be a parable over the next month. But, but I, I, I got drug off to church a lot, more than any human should have to go to. I, I, I've been there, right? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, choir practice, youth group, uh, vacation, Bible. it's just horrible. Anyway, but anyway, but, but this, is this, this is the Sunday school version uh, or definition of the word parable that it's really, really just, it's very, very simple and, and you'll remember it, okay? Uh, a parable is this, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That is scream, vacation Bible school right there, right? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Let's just say that together, kids. One, two, three. An earthly with a heavenly meaning. And what that means is it's a story about something here around us every day on earth, all right? But it's actually, Jesus has this ability to point it at something spiritual. He has this ability to take common everyday things, things that we live with all the, all the time, that are around us all the time, that we take for granted. We know how that, that operates. That's, yeah, absolutely. And he had the ability to connect that with something unfamiliar, something spiritual or something true that God wanted us to understand. And he would put them together and go, it's kind of like that. They're kind of the same on a certain level. And everybody would go, well, now I understand. Uh, now, now I would understand. And I don't know how it worked. I don't know if he came up with it on the spot or I, I don't know how it worked. But maybe, you know, maybe Jesus, like, he, was, uh, he had this ability to talk to kings or shepherds or whatever that is. Uh, maybe he would maybe he'd be out in a field and he's, he's talking about the weather with some shepherds and stuff like that. And then he knows what's going on in their life. And so he'd say stuff like this. Um, so you guys are shepherds. You know the whole sheep thing. So imagine you had a um, hundred sheep and one of them leaves. What would you do? Or how about this, all right? Imagine you're the sheep and, and you wandered off and you didn't mean to get lost, but you got lost and you want to get back to the barn, but you don't know how and you're out there. What would you do? Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm like a good shepherd and I'm just looking for you and I, and I want to bring you back to someplace safe. I, I don't know how, if he came up on the spot. Maybe, maybe he was talking like I'm talking in front of a crowd and, and he saw a man over there and maybe the man looked, it was a dad and he looked really, really, really sad or maybe he looked over here and there was this, this young, like high school, you know, college age, you know, young, young man and, and he was just a mess. He was broken. He was barely holding his stuff together and, and because he's God in the flesh, he knew what was going on and he said, some, said something like this. Like, so one time there was this man and he had two sons and the younger son said, I don't want to live. I don't want my dad. I want to go do something else. And he ran away from home and he jacked up his life and it all fell apart. And when he finally got as bad as it could possibly be, he thought to himself, came to his senses and wondered, I wonder if my dad would take me back. I, if, I'm, if I was my dad, I wouldn't. But I wonder if maybe I could go, go, go home. And, and, and so Jesus had this ability to teach. And people understood like n no other time. All through the Bible, it says the people were amazed because he taught different than any teacher. But the, here's the other thing about the way Jesus taught is that when, when he would tell a story, whoever was listening to his story, somehow they were able to put themselves in that story and go, that's me. That, that, that's, that's me. Like, like. So that, that sheep that ran away and, and, and got in over his head and couldn't find his way back home, I feel like that. I, I feel like that in, in the, my marriage. I feel like I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to do all the right steps and I just feel like, like I just keep falling in another hole. I wonder if Jesus could help me with that like a good shepherd would. Or, or, or 
You know, when you were talking about that boy that, that, that screwed up his whole life and was ashamed to go back to, to his dad, boy, I've been through that. My shame is like, I've done so many things. Do you think, do you think God would ever take me back? And, and, and connect those, those dots. And he would take a, a lost sheep or a broken, a broken kid and go, yeah, it's the same with God. Now, let, let me define some terms because we throw, we throw around some terms in here that if, if, you're, if you've been here a while, you, you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But if you're new around here, sometimes I get emails going, I don't, I don't like the terms you're using, but I'm going to keep using them. But it, <laughs> let me explain, all right? So, so we, we use the terms lost and broken a lot around here, okay? Lost and, and broken. And, and some of us, it really hurts our feelings going, I'm, I'm not that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, oh, so let, let me just get on board, everybody on the same page when I talk about lost, because if your response is, no, I'm fine. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm just fine. No, you're not. And he, here's, what I, here's what I mean. Sometimes, <laughs> none of us are, to be honest, right? So sometimes when I use the word lost, here's what I mean. You're lost from God because here's what the Bible teaches, cover to cover, Jesus taught it, everybody teaches, that's what I believe, right? So you're lost from God because unforgiven sin separates you from God. That's just true. We, we all sin, we all, we all mess up and, and fall short of what God has said, but some of us have come under the blood of Christ and we, we are forgiven so it's not held against us, but as long as we're carrying that on ourselves, unforgiven sin, all right, that's on us and it separates us from God. That's just true because holy God can't be in the presence of, of sin. And, and a metaphor would be like, I'm on this side of the Grand Canyon and God's on that side and sin separates us. And I'm, I'm lost, I'm cut off from him. Now, Jesus can fix that like today, all right, right? Meaning Jesus has this ability to bridge that gap and take our sin away and our condemnation away and rejoin us back, take all condemnation away. So, so it doesn't have, you don't have to be lost. You, you, could ask, you could ask God, listen, I, I don't have it all figured out. I do know that I don't, I don't want to carry the, the weight and condemnation of my sin. I don't have Jesus all figured out. But with him in my life, that's where I want to start, okay? And so I, I'm going to move on. But please understand, that's the most important one. Because if we skip over that and get to the other stuff, it's like what well, we looked at a few weeks ago. It's like Jesus healed my, 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 my legs don't work, but I didn't let him take, pay, pay attention to what's on the inside. Well, that's a temporary thing. Unless he fixes the permanent thing inside, I'm lost. Okay, so and that's between you and God. You, you know if you're lost or not. I mean, and we'll, get, we'll land there here in a few minutes. So maybe, maybe you're, you're lost from God, but maybe when we talk about lost, here's what we're talking about. You're lost in some of the most important parts of your life and can't seem to get where you want and need to be. Again, like that sheep, right? You're saved. You're forgiven. You're, if you die today, you're, you're going to heaven. You're just kind of lost in this thing called life or marriage or singleness or sexuality or money or parenting. I, I do my best and I feel like I'm in a desert. I try to turn right and I should have turned left. And I screwed up over and over again. I'm just lost. I cannot figure out the most important parts of my life. I'm saved. I just can't figure this out. So maybe that's, that's what we're talking about even when we mean lost. And here's, here's the, the definition I'm working off of for broken. And again, you might disagree with me. You're wrong. But, but here's what, but I, I, I'm just kidding on that kind of. Uh, broken means this. Broken means I have stuff in my life that's forgiven. I'm, I'm just not healed up yet. Is that, anybody identify with that? See, I, I, I am forgiven. Listen, if I die tonight, I, I'm not, I don't want that to happen, but if I die tonight, look at each other and go, he's in heaven, I'm fine, I'm forgiven, all right? But I also have stuff in my life that hasn't healed up and it still hurts. I'm forgiven for it. Some people did some stuff to me and then, that, that made, then, I, then I did some stuff back and then it's none of your business, but then on and on and on and on and I, I just went off the rails and stuff like that. And then Jesus forgave all that. But I still have memories and voices and emotions and triggers in my life 
Anybody else? And, and, you know, and the least little thing, it just wraps itself around me. And I can't breathe and it pulls me back. A little voice is saying, you'll never change. You'll never change. You'll never change. Just keep going. Come back. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Absolutely. But some parts of my life just hurt. And see, all those are metaphors, right? They're, they're parables that we can look inside and go, that's my story too. He's talking about a tree. He's talking about a sheep. He's talking about whatever. But really, he's talking about me. Which brings me to this series and this metaphor that Jesus pointed to as much as any other thing that he pointed to. And that, that is this idea. It's, it's a tree. And, and, and the, the metaphor is this, you know, a life that is rooted in Jesus. And you know what I'm talking about there. It's like, that's, that's the source of my life, all right? Who has Jesus inside of him or her, right? Living inside of them. What we're gonna look at is what comes out. If you're rooted in Jesus and Jesus is living and flowing inside of you spiritually, what comes out physically in, in your life? Okay, another, another uh, metaphor we looked at a few weeks ago. Jesus taught this. Out of the overflow of whatever is going on in your heart, your mouth speaks, Right, so your mouth and what you say is just a symptom of what's going on in here. Your hands do stuff, you point your money at this, you, you use your body for these kind of things, whatever. Whatever you see on the outside is just the overflow of what's stored up on the inside. So let's go even deeper than that. What's filling up your inside? What, 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 where the roots go down into the saying, let, let me feed your heart. Let me teach your heart what is, what, what is, what is true. What is, let, let me give your, your heart courage and strength. What, what's going on and directing and filling up your inside and, and what's coming on on the outside? And Jesus says, because it's kind of like a tree. It's kind of like a tree. And I'll give you a, a bunch of stories that he talked about this. Like in his first public talk ever, whatever this is, a sermon, whatever, his, his was on the side of a mountain, so they call it Sermon on the Mount. Very catchy title. All right, so, so he's, he's speaking there, and he's been talking about what life with God could look like with your life is in the kingdom and you're connected to God and all, all this great thing about how we treat one another. And then he, he's wrapping up his very first talk ever, and, and, he, and he wraps it up by giving us a warning. Be careful because not everything that you see is as, as it appears. And it might look like one thing on the, on the outside. Don't, don't believe it. Watch it for a while because eventually you'll figure out if it's right or, or, or wrong. And here's, here's the metaphor he uses. He says, watch out for false prophets. So a false prophet, there's somebody out there, and, and, and probably we have in this room right now, they're, they're claiming to be one thing and they're not. They're claiming to speak for God, but they don't. They're claiming to be true and trying to have the appearance of something, but inside something very different is going on. All right? Don't point at anybody, but you know what I'm talking about. All right? So, so watch out for false prophets because he's going to describe them. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So there are some people in your life and you look at them and go, look how awesome they are. They're so nice. They're so cuddly. They're like a little sheep. And then they eat you, all right? Because they're not really a sheep, right? They're, they're a wolf and they just lure you in. They lure you in, right? And then, boom, they hurt you really bad. False prophet, false teaching, false Christian. Right? And we've all been bitten by one, all right? Now, they, now he's going to switch metaphors here, okay, about how to identify these, these, these people who aren't real, right? By their fruit, you will recognize them. So we're not talking about wolves, we're talking about trees, okay, right? So by their fruit, you will, and what, what, what's this word? That's really, really important. So whatever is going on in their life, you you keep your eyes open because you can recognize what's going on, all right? He goes on, he says, quiz time, all right? Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes, kids? No, Jim, they don't. Or figs from thistles. No, 
In, likewise, in the very same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their, who? By whose fruit? The person that says, I'm one thing on the outside, but I'm different, right? By their fruit, you will what? You'll recognize them. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to tell if you're real or not. I'll just watch you. You might have fooled me there for a second with the whole sheep's clothing thing, but I'm gonna watch you for a while because here's what Jesus is teaching. Whatever a person is tapped into fills them up and whatever fills them up, good or bad, will come out and they will bear fruit that is recognizable and it corresponds to what they're tapped into, so pay attention. So what we're looking at this, this, this month is this. What could our life look like if we were tapped into real Jesus? And a lot of us could say, I, I know what my life looks like tapped into unreal Jesus, or I know what my life is tapped in, uh, it looks like when it's tapped into or rooted in, in, in something other than Jesus. But what could my life look like if I finally believe that this Jesus we've been talking about the last month is still real and still available? What if my life was rooted in him, he filled me up, what would come out? And that brings us to all this fruit tree stuff that we're gonna be talking about, comparing our life with a, with a fruit tree that Jesus said our life would bear Fruit, good or bad, our life will bear fruit. So let, let me back up and kind of set some of this up. Today, let me just tell you really, really quick. We actually get out on time. Don't get used to that. But uh, so uh, this is all set up. It's kind of an intro to this series. There is no real application except are you willing to look at that over the next several weeks? And at the end of this, I'm gonna say amen and then we're gonna leave. We're not gonna sing any more songs or anything like that. And if some of you are disappointed, you'll be all right, all right? So we're gonna stand up in a few minutes. I'm gonna say amen and you're gonna leave and it's gonna get awkward. But go home, all right? It's Mother's Day, all right? So, so let me back up and kind of set up this whole tree metaphor that, that we're talking about, all right? So uh, about, about a week or two before, Jesus, before Easter, okay? Not this Easter, but the, the first one, all right? Jesus, is, they're on their way to Jerusalem where Jesus is gonna be crucified. But before he goes there, one last time, and this is in all four of the Gospels, he sets down his, his 12 disciples and says, okay, buddies, let me tell you what's gonna happen over the next week or so, right? So we're gonna go to Jerusalem. They're like, yeah, we're gonna take over. And then I'm gonna die. What? Yeah, I'm gonna die, and that'll, that'll pay for all sin. And then on the third day, I'm gonna rise from the dead. And then after a few days, I'm gonna return to my father who sent me. And at this time, the, the, the guys, they, they go crazy. Bad idea. Bad plan, Jesus. File this away, side, sidebar here, right? Anytime you tell Jesus his plan is bad, you're wrong, okay? All right, it's just, it's just true, all right? So, so the, hey, Jesus, this is a bad idea. You should not leave. If we're gonna go to Jerusalem, let's take over. You be king, we'll be like vice presidents, all right? I'll sit on your right and my brother will sit on your left and we'll just we'll rule, we'll just kick tail for God, whatever that is. So this is a, don't, do not leave us, stay with us. We vote you stay, don't leave, all right? And Jesus looks back at him and, and he says, um, it's actually better that I leave. Because I have to leave before my father will keep, and I promise he's gonna do this, all right? My father will spend, send his spirit to not just be with you, like I'm with you, but to actually live in you. And, and the spirit of God, Christ in me, is better than Christ with me, even though it didn't feel like it. I mean, there's a lot of times I, I wish, I just wish Jesus was just right there in the car with me. I go, what should I do here? And he could tell me, listen, that sounds good. Christ in us is even better. Now, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. So if I were to ask you, um, name four disciples, here's what most of us would do. We go, uh, Peter, 
I got one, all right, right? and that's okay, because he's the most famous one, okay, absolutely, and the reason he's famous is not because of all the awesome stuff he did, but he just screwed up all the time, and we're like, I can get on board with that, all right, meaning, meaning every, he put his foot in his mouth all the time, he, you know, he shot off his mouth like, I'll never leave you, and then he left, all right, and, and I'll, I'll die for you, and then he runs away, and it's over and over and over, his heart is so good, he wants to change, he wants to be a better person, but after spending three years with Jesus, nothing really changed. Now, if, if, I mean, if, if your life is going to change, you would think hanging out with Jesus for three years would have some effect. No. I mean, think about this. Peter, I, I don't know how many of you are in a small group or a Bible study or something like that. Peter was in the best small group ever. <laughs> Mine's pretty good. Peter's wins. All right, right? So, 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 so who leads your Bible study? Because Peter's Bible study was led by the guy who wrote the Bible. And so he's the main character in there. And, and like, who's your, who's like your like hero and your mentor? Because Peter's was Jesus, all right? And so, so his small group, his example in life, his teacher in life for three years was the savior of the world. He hung out with Jesus for three years and nothing changed. On the, day, on the night that Jesus was arrested, right? At that moment when Peter had his time to shine for all the difference that Jesus had made in his life, a little girl says, are, are, you, are you with Jesus? Peter cusses out the little girl and runs away and cries. This is, this is a change man. No, it's not. not. Nothing changes really in Peter's life until after Jesus returns to heaven and, and, and God keeps his promise to send that spirit to not just be with Peter, but in Peter. And Peter's a different man. Peter, again, just six weeks ago, a little girl, he ran away from a little girl, going, I don't know, don't hurt me. And he ran away, stands up in a room filled with the people that had nailed Jesus to a cross and said, could I have your attention? You killed the son of God, but he doesn't hate you. He actually loves you and, and he wants you back. What must we do? All right, all right so you gotta change your mind about Jesus. You gotta repent. You gotta rethink this part of your life and then be baptized as an outward symbol of what he's doing in your, in your heart. And let me tell you what's gonna happen when you put your faith in Jesus. All your sin and condemnation will go away. That Grand Canyon will come back together and you'll be connected to God forever. And my Father, God, will keep his promise to send his spirit to live in you and in you changes everything. I mean, if you would've met Peter three years before he met Jesus, as opposed to three years after Jesus rose from the dead, if you went back to the Peter's high school reunion, there was a meeting, I bet, over in the corner going, that, you, that's Peter, right? Because the last time I saw him, he was drunk in the bottom of a boat, he's bad fisherman and stuff like that. He's changed, all right? Yeah, he's changed. Go ask him. Are you really Peter? Yeah. What, what's the, what changed? So there's a guy named Jesus, and I met him, and I hung out with him, and now I believe he lives inside of me. He changes everything. Paul, Paul who wrote a big chunk of the Bible, he, he explains the idea of the spirit of God living inside of us. And, and, he, and listen, if this sounds weird yet, he says, I know, this is really hard. This is a mystery. But let me tell you about this mystery I'm trying to explain to you. It's Christ in you. Not just with you and around you and leading you. No, Christ in you. That is your hope of glory. That's the only hope of, of your life. By glory, I mean lining up with what God says is right, right? For, for the most important parts of your life to change. I mean, on your own, you can change a few things. But on the big things, on your own, no hope. Just be honest, no hope. You would have already changed them. But Christ in me, hope. Christ in me changes everything. The spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, it's all the same spirit. Christ in me, flowing through me, changes everything. Now, let's finally get to this tree stuff. And I'll get to this, because you're curious. All right, so, Paul wrote a big chunk of the Bible. He was changed by the spirit of Christ, uh, living in him too. 
He's writing a letter to some people who live in an area of the world called Galatia, all right? And he's writing to people, there's a little church there in Galatia, and and so he's writing a letter to Christians, but they're all over the map about what that means, all right? And some of them have been Christians like five minutes, and some have been Christians for, for a while, but um, they're really d- divided. Like, like there's, a, there's, a, there's an aisle down the middle, and there's the, the right side and the left side, and they won't speak to each other. They just fight. And that's a political statement. All right, so there you are. So, all right, so we have, in the church, you have, you have Christians that are polarized, and they won't get along with each other. Now, let me tell you what on each side of the aisle is, okay? You have some, some Christians, and they're saved. They believe in Jesus. They're going to heaven, all right? The whole room's Christian, but they just don't like each other very well. There's, half of them are hanging on to all the external measurements and outward, like, standards that they had brought with them from the religion they came from. Meaning they, they, would, they would look at themselves or they would judge other people, whether they were good or not, not by what was going on inside of their hearts, but by the externals, all right? So what do you eat? You're, you're Christian. Do you eat stuff like that? Do you, do you shop and buy from that non-Christian store? Because if you really love Jesus, you wouldn't shop at that, that store. And what do you drink? You're a Christian? Really? You drink that much? Because if you really love Jesus, this is what I was raised with, you wouldn't drink at all. Okay, so you, you drink too much, you must not love Jesus enough, all right? And do you keep certain rituals, all right? They're not required to be a Christian, but if you really love Jesus, you would do these. And so we used to be Jewish, and there were all these circ- you know, ceremonies and stuff like that. Did you do that and then become a Christian? Because if you really love Jesus, you'd go back and you keep all those Old Testament laws as well. And, and by the way, I noticed your, your skirt's a little short for a Christian. So, so based on the outside, I don't think you're a very good Christian, right? Uh, they, they've totally ignored the heart. You might be a selfish, arrogant person, right, right? But as long as you, you show up at church a lot, you must be a good person. Now, the other side of the aisle was this. They, they, were, they were on the other extreme, and they were like, do not judge me. I am saved by grace through faith, and not by what I do on the outside. It doesn't, doesn't qualify me. It doesn't disqualify me. So I'm going to keep on sinning, because I got my get-out-of-hell-free card called Jesus. Boom, all right? And so, you know what? I know it's a sin. I'm not going to change it. I'm going to keep on doing it. And if you look at me and go, is there something wrong with my life? Well, who do you think you are? I am saved by grace. So you have one group, and I've said in, in all three of our campuses, we have both groups represented. We have one group saying, it doesn't matter what's going on on the inside. As long as on the outside, you look a certain way and do certain things and show up at certain buildings at certain times of the week. You know, you can be a hateful, arrogant, selfish person. Don't help anybody, but, you know, you, you, you look good. All right? But on the other side, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what you're going to do on the outside, so I'm going to keep on doing everything I want on the outside. I got Jesus in my heart. Don't judge me. All right? And what, what Paul teaches is this. Hey, do you remember what Jesus taught us? If you're here in the last series, he kept coming back to it. It was like this. You can't separate the inside from the outside. They're connected. And what's going on on the inside is an indicator of indicated by what's on the outside, and what's on the outside reveals what's going on 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 the inside. They're not two different things. And what Paul says to make his point is kind of like a tree, kind of like a tree, kind of picture a fruit tree, but but the tree is not producing apples, all right? And what we're going to look at, and we're going to look at it all month long, is the the fruit or the, the, the produce or the outcome, what comes out of a person who has the spirit of Christ living in them who's tapped into, into Christ, who has Christ living in them and, and, and Christ in them and, and, and moving through. Here, here's, here's what we're gonna look at all week long. The fruit of the Spirit of Jesus, of Christ, the Holy Spirit, Christ in me, the, the, the fruit of that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there, there is no law. So we're, we're gonna come back to this every week. So let's just say it all uh, out loud together. Now let me just, this is one of my own pet peeves, all right? If you really wanna have a fight with me, say this wrong, all right? But it's fruit of the Spirit. Don't say fruits of the Spirit, okay? This is not a, well, I like some of them. 
It's like a smorgasbord, but I really hate self-control. That's just dumb. Shouldn't have it on there anyway. But I like this one over here, especially this is what you ought to do. No, fruit. So it's all one thing. It's not a, it's not a pick and choose. The, the, the fruit of the, the, the produce, what comes out of a person is all of this. Some of it grows maybe faster than others, but it's not a pick and choose, okay? So let's get this in our brains, all right? If you take a picture of it, write it down. It's in your program too, all right? Take it home, all right? So, so let's just all say this together. One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And what Paul is illustrating It's the same thing Peter taught and experiences in his own life about what Jesus promised, that when you put your faith and trust in me, your roots go down into me and I'm the source of your life. And then I I flow through you. And then if Jesus lives in you, he overflows out through you. And we're gonna look at that. If you're tapped into Jesus and Jesus lives in you, he comes out of you. But, but look at this, all right? Go back to these, this fruit of the Spirit real quick, all right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If, if you look at that, they're actually all expressed horizontally. Think about it, okay? Hor- horizontally. If I have Jesus living inside of me, it comes out this way. And what a lot of us Christians think is, if, if, if Jesus is in me, then, it, then I express it back up. And, and that, that's kind of true, it's actually true, but, but, but you got to think about this, all right? As these words um, are, 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 are lived out, how about this? Jesus said this, as I have loved you, so, and if I was Jesus, and again, we're, we, we're glad I'm not, right? But if I was saying what, what Jesus said, I would say, as I have loved you, so you should love me back. You should lo- I love you, you should love me. We're a happy family, right? So there it is, all right? So as I've loved you, you have loved me. That's not what he says. What he says is, as I have loved you, you love one another. As I've loved you, if you have understanding of my love living inside of you, here's what you do. You love one another, and by this fruit, this love coming out of you, that's how all people will know that you're my disciple. That's how people will know that you're tapped in to me. Not that you sing songs and go to church a lot. A lot of people do that. But you really want to know if the love of Christ lives inside of a person, it makes it different here. See, the fruit, listen to this whole thing, okay? Because if you listen to half of it, it's going to go, that's not true, right? Listen, the fruit of the Spirit is not just love God back, although certainly that includes that. But the way that we love God back is kind of counterintuitive. It's not just to say, yay, God, although we certainly praise God because all the glory goes to God. The way that I demonstrate my love for God is to love you better, is to love you more. As a matter of fact, look what John, one of his disciples, he writes this years later. He says, if anyone says, I love God, and we're so good at that, sing songs about it, get tears in our eyes, oh, hey, Jesus, praise the Lord, all that, right? But if anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a what? About what? About loving God. So, so, so this, this is just not even possible. I love God. I love Jesus. Praise the Lord. I hate her. Jesus says, I call you on that. Both can't be true. Now, that's a struggle over there. I, I get it. But just to say, I give up, I'm not going to love that person, not, not possible. If I love God, then I've got to work some stuff out with, with, with you. And here's why. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, right there in front of you, cannot love God whom he has not seen. You've got to think about that. If I'm tapped into Jesus and Jesus is flowing in me, I can't just say I love God. I also have to continue so, so you and I have to keep on working on this. 
It's the same with patience, all right? I'm not gonna make my way through all of them, all right? But patience, when, when the fruit of the Spirit is patience, Jesus is not saying, can you be more patient with me? I promise you, I don't know what's going on in your life and you want Jesus to do. He's not up in heaven wringing his hands going, hey, buddy, can you give me two more days? Just be a little more patient. I'm working on it. That's not it, all right? No, the fruit of the Spirit is, if Jesus lives inside of me and I'm tapped in and really tapped into him, rooted in him, it makes a difference with this person in my life that keeps on testing my patience. Yeah, usually you're married to him, right? Or, or you're, they're your parents or they're your kids or that person in traffic, you know, that's what... I, I have to love them because if Jesus wasn't in me, again, I'd push him in a river. That's what I would do, all right? But, but now that Jesus is in me, I, I have, I, it has to come out different. And that's what I want to look at this whole month, you know? After this whole month on what would Jesus, what, could we trust Jesus more if we actually saw him for who he is? What would the fruit of that look like in our everyday life? And in all my years, and I've been drug off to church since the womb, I, I've heard, I don't know how many times I've heard the fruit of the Spirit taught, but I've never been taught in a way that how it applies away from church and what it really looks like in the real everyday parts of my life. The church parts, absolutely. But Jesus said this. He said, away from buildings and away from church and away from songs and all that stuff. When you're at school, when you're at work, when you're at the ball field, whatever, Jesus said there would be recognizable changes. Recognizable changes happening in your real everyday life, not your church life, not your Bible study life. No, 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 no. There's recognizable changes. You can see them and other people can see that's changing and it can only be attributed to because Jesus lives in me. So what would change for you in the real everyday parts of your life if you really could say the reason that's happening is because I'm, I'm rooted in Jesus, I'm doing things different because he lives inside of me. What would change look like for you? Very specifically, you're a 30-year-old dad, you know, and you worked hard and, and you come home and your wife hands you these people and goes, take them. I don't, want, I don't even like them right now. And you're trying to figure out the bills and really all you want to do is just watch a game and just have a beer and just go to bed. But you have to be a dad right now or a husband right now. So, and that's all real. I'm not even being critical of that. That's just called life, all right? But what, how would you deal with it different? What would you do differently if, if, if you knew my feet, my, my roots are planted in Jesus. He's living inside of me and because of that, I, I do things different than what I would have done without him, right? Let's get to the real parts, right? You're a 15-year-old high school student. You're a 20-year-old college student, and you walk across your campus or walk down a hallway, and you think, I'm the only one that even cares about Jesus. Everybody else is just like off the map, and I'm trying to hold on to him, and, and it just feels like it's a losing battle. But what would it look like if you could go to school or, or go to work, whatever that is, and go, I'm, I'm rooted in Jesus, and he lives inside of me. What would you do differently? What would change and look different if, if, if he was coming out of you more than, than, he, than he has been, what would change? All right, how about it's Mother's Day, right? And let's get, I, hey, moms, listen, so, some, of you, some of you, you stay home all day with these little people, you know, and they just suck the life out of you, and they're, they're just mess, and they vomit, and they poop, and they just want, want more all the time, and you're sitting there on the kitchen floor, and you know what? You just want to get to, make it to, make it to tonight, and not screw them up too bad, so it's less counseling later. That, sometimes that's your only goal in life. You know what? That's just real, and sometimes, let's be honest, you're just like, I don't even want to do this anymore. It's Mother's Day. Let's not get into it too much, but let's be honest. There's sometimes we want to put up a white flag and go, I just want to walk away from this. But what would happen? What difference would it make if you know, no, no, I can do this because my, I'm, I'm rooted in Jesus and he's growing. And because the thing that I would normally say I can't do anymore, I'm able actually to do. Single parents. I, I used to always say single moms, but I talked to so many single dads. 
So we have so many people that are just trying to you know, do, do the whole family thing. It should have been two of you together, but that's not how life worked out, and you're just trying to hold it together. And again, you don't think you can do it anymore, but what, what would be different? What would change in your life if you knew? No, it's different. It's a recognizable difference. If this would have happened to me a year ago, very different fruit would have come out of me. But because I'm rooted in Jesus, it's just, just different. Let me talk to the older half, half of the room. Some of us, you know, we, we worked our whole lives and, and we see retirement right ahead of us, or, and, or we're already there, you know, and we got, a big, we, got a, we got enough money piled up to do that last 20 years or whatever, right? And we're going to do it, and we got plans and all that kind of stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. But would it be any different? Would you change any of your plans for the next 20, 20 years if you knew I'm rooted in Jesus, he lives inside of me, and that comes out differently horizontally? Would I live my life any, any different? What would change in your life? What what what? What would you love to say, you know, I have more joy. I finally have more peace. I think I'm a more loving man, woman, whatever that is. I, th- I, I think that I actually have some self-control. I, don't, I didn't used to have self-control, but somehow I have more self-control. What would, you, what would change in your life if those words could describe, this is what's coming out of me more and more. And if those things are not happening, here's what I want to look at this, week, this month too, is why not? Why not? And are you okay with it continuing to not happen? You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not loving. I don't plan on being more loving. I'm just not going to do that. Let me, let me give you one, a couple more verses here. One verse and then a, another story. But this is how Paul wraps up the whole fruit of the Spirit tree thing, all right? He says this. If we live by the Spirit, so if we're tapped into and rooted in Jesus and, and the Spirit of Jesus lives inside of us, so really, if we really... Have Jesus in us, all right? So if we live by the Spirit, let us also, what's the next three words there? Keep in step. Let us walk in the Spirit. Let us, you know, let's link arms with the Spirit and go through life together. Let's be led by the Spirit. If, if If we have Jesus living inside of us and then Jesus is leading us and we're walking in step with what Jesus says is right, true, and good, here's what Jesus says. Then your life will bear fruit, good fruit. If you have the Spirit of Jesus in you, and you're walking with Jesus through life, through parenting, through finances, through sexuality, through singleness, through marriage, through divorce, whatever you're, you're, you're going through, if you have Jesus living inside and you're walking with him, Jesus says your life will bear good fruit. Now, if your life is not bearing good fruit, nothing's changing. No, no, nothing's happened. I mean, there for, for a while, it got a little bit better, but now it's just the same as always. There are two possibilities that we're gonna look at, and this is between you and God, all right? My life isn't changing my life's not bearing good fruit, I'll tell you that. The one of two things is true. One is, maybe you don't have the Spirit. And that's between you and God. I, I can't judge you. That's between you and God. But you know deep inside is the reason that, that Jesus isn't coming out of me and I'm not acting more and more and more like those words right there is because there's nothing in there to come out that aligns with those words. Are you willing to take a look at that this month? And that's some of us. Here's where I think a lot of us are. And, and it goes like this. Yeah, you do have the Spirit of Christ in you. Christ does live in you. You're, you're saved, you're forgiven, you have the Holy Spirit in you, all right, all right? You have the Spirit, you're just, not, you're just not walking with him. You're saved, you're not going to hell anymore, but he's really not changing parts of your life. Maybe because you don't want to change, maybe you don't see the need to change, you're so much better than you used to be, but, but I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm not gonna change that part of my life. Or here's the other part of it, right? Is that you're saved, Jesus lives inside of you and you're rooted in Jesus. You're just also rooted in some other things too and they're all competing for very limited space in your life and they're choking each other out. Jesus is there, he just kind of gets pushed to the side a lot and maybe that's why your life's not bearing good fruit. Now, let me wrap this up. Because what you've been waiting for, I'm gonna tell you a few of my own parables. Yay. 
And then I'm gonna go eat lunch with my wife. Okay, so, all right. I don't know who came up with this. The guy that taught this to me, I thought he made it up, but then I found out some other people used it and I think he lied to me. But he's a pastor. Pastors don't lie. But anyway, so, so, I, so I made this up. Just go with it. All right, right? There's an old saying that goes like this. Just because you nail an apple to a fence post doesn't make it an apple tree. Some of you are going, oh, sensei, so wise. I know. <laughs> Ta-da, it's as good as it gets, right, right? Now, so think about this. Just because you nail an apple to an apple tree does not make it an uh, a fence post, doesn't make it an, an apple tree. Now, now, hang with this. It meets all the basic qualifications. Like if I were to say, hey, describe an apple tree to me, your first thing would go, got apples on it. <laughs> Check, right, right, right? And what's it grow out of? I don't know. It's like from the ground up, it's like... Wood, tree stuff, ta-da, right? So it has a base, it's a wood thing, it has an apple on it. So by definition, it's an apple tree. But everybody in here goes, that's not an apple tree. It's an apple nailed to a fence post. But that would describe a lot of our, our whole faith, our whole walk with God. There's just nothing here. I just have everybody fooled because I've got some things on the outside that look Christian, that look kind of like Jesus. I talk the talk, I sing the songs. I got everybody fooled, but really, nothing. And it's a matter of time till that's going to fall off too. All right? So hang on to that one because that might be you. Are you willing to look at it this month? All right? Now, so this is an apple tree. Now, the only reason I know that is I sent my son up to Home Depot. I said, buy an apple tree, Jordo. And he went up there and he bought an apple tree. And the reason we know it's an apple tree is it's got a little tag on it that said apple tree. Okay? So he brought it back here and I'm looking at it and who knows? All right? right? Now, I'm looking for apples. I don't see a lot of fruit on this tree or anything like that. But, but if, if this is a metaphor or a parable for your life, here's, if this is you, if this is me, this is how people have told me you don't have enough fruit in your life. There's not enough evidence. Here, here's the typical church response. Try harder. You ever been to that church service? So, so you have that sin? Well, stop it. Oh, Oh, you wrestle with that temptation? Don't anymore, all right? You're addicted to that? Well, stop it. Don't do that anymore. Try harder. That's like going up to an apple tree going, hey, come on. And the apple tree just goes, I'll do my best. <laughs> you see anything? No, veins. That's all I see, right? right. A little lightheaded right there, okay? <laughs> but that's not how an apple tree produces apples. But that's how we, a lot of us Christians think if you just try harder, you'd be a better person. If you just tried harder, that wouldn't have happened. It's like, this is more guilt and shame. How about that? You know, you, if you had more faith, you'd have more apples. If you, if you tried harder, if you were more like your sister or whatever that is, because she loves Jesus, why don't you love Jesus? Because if you love Jesus, right, well, you know, and eventually that thing just will. See, see the, the solution is not to yell at it or to say try harder. It does not work. If this tree, after a while, is not bearing fruit, the problem probably isn't up here. It's probably down here. And everybody that's ever planted a tree knows the problem very rarely is up there. You have to go down and you've got to move some dirt around and look under the surface and go, so there's something going on down deep. It's rooted in something else. There's something going on under the surface that's squeezing it out or not giving it, letting it get enough nutrition, whatever. So if we ever have any hope for apples up here, probably have to go down and look below the surface. Are you willing to do that? Because that's where we're going. One more. You look at this tree, and most of us sit there and go, that's not good. <laughs> right? Because you would look at that and go, that's ah, hopeless. That's just dead. 
But you know what? If you would have walked around Colorado, I don't know, three months ago, you'd see these everywhere. You know what? They don't look like that anymore. You know why? Because it's spring. Right? And it was, it was asleep. It was resting, whatever that is. And this would be a good metaphor for some of our lives too. There's a lot of people telling you you're, you're, you're not a good Christian or you're not a good person something like that because they look at your life and go, it just looks dead. But a lot of us, this is why we're here today. You just are barely hanging on. You've been through a season, right, of, of, of really, really hard. Maybe, maybe the last season is nothing but giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, like, like trees do all summer and fall, right? And then, you know what, they can say, I gotta take a break and I gotta take, get a breath and I gotta, it, I'm not gonna look like I'm very alive right now, but down under the surface, I'm, I'm getting ready for the next whatever that is. And that's what some of us are. We're in a season right now where it's, you know, it's all we can do just to stay alive spiritually, you know, relationally, whatever that is. And if that's you, can I just say this to you? Just come and let the word of God and the truth of God and the healing of God just wash over you. We don't need anything from you. Just let Jesus just wash over you and fill you up at the root level in this season of your life, all right? And, you, and you'll know. But if this isn't just a season this is season after season after season after season after season after season. Are you willing to pay attention to that too? Because it's been a long time. One last story and, and we'll get out of here. You all come to the last service. It's always the longest. I just throw it all back in, all right? So, so Jesus said, nine, well, nine o'clock we be packed out next week. So, uh, so he tells this, this parable and he's not really talking about trees, but he says this, a man had a fig tree. So we're switching fruit. Everybody Okay. Oh, okay, All right, good. Uh, so a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. So he showed up going, where's the figs? No, no figs here, right? So uh, he went and said to the vine dresser, that's the guy who runs all the trees, right? Look, for three years now, I have been seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none, cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Now that's logical, okay? This is appearing to be one thing, but it's not. It's just taking up space. It's just, it's dead. So... Make, you know, make room, all right? So, now look at this. And he answered, so the vineyard answered, he says this. He answered him saying, sir, let it alone this year also. So it's the guy taking care of the tree, talking to the owner of the tree. Just give it another year uh, until I, I dig around it and put on manure. And then it sh if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you, you can cut it down. So this is how I want to land today, right? I'm struggling for like, this catchy like saying to close this thing out about what this series is going to be about. Here's, here's what this next three, four weeks is going to be about. We're going we're gonna to go down below the surface and dig around in there. And here's what I've, I've discovered. Anytime you dig around, usually that's painful. And, and it involves manure. <laughs> I don't know a lot about, I know a lot about manure actually, right? Um, here's what I do know about manure. It stinks. And sometimes when you get into the below the surface, I don't really want to talk about that part of my life. It's part of it stinks. But there's a goal on the other side of it. It might move us toward bearing fruit in our lives that everyone around us, us included, have been waiting on for a long, long time. So if on the other side it's possible that change could actually happen in the most important parts of your life, are you willing to dig down below the surface, even if it hurts, even if it stinks a little bit, and say, yeah, if on the other side there's a tree of life that I need to eat from and partake from and the people around me need, yeah, I'll do it. And that's what we're gonna hit, all right? So let's stand up, all right? And uh, again, I'm gonna pray, amen, 
awkward silence, and then turn on and leave. Okay, so that's, that's it, all right? Hey, prayer team's gonna be up here in the front. Offering buckets are, are, are in the back. So, so let's pray. So God, um, over the last 30 minutes, 40 minutes or so, I've been talking about uh, trees and sheep and runaway this and broken this, whatever that is. You know, and all of us, Lord, we haven't been thinking about parables. We've been thinking about, that's me. That's me. That tree up there, I'm that one. That, 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 that metaphor, it's actually talking about a part of my life. And it's so important, God, um, I'm willing. I'm willing to take a hard look at maybe what's going on below the surface and what's competing and what's pushing things out. Part of us, God, here's the scary part is we know but the idea of looking at it sounds really painful and just it's going to bring up a bunch of stinky stuff and I don't know if we want to do that. But if you promise, if you keep your promise, Jesus, to be in us and change us and give us strength and on the other side is, is life, then we'll go there because we actually trust you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.